0: hey
1: hey how are you doing okay how are you
0: fine how'd you sleep
1: um moderately last night
0: what is moderate what what about you i slept a full like nine hours oh wow well all the time
1: um about six hours which is not ideal but does not leave me you know incapable of functioning
0: what leaves you incapable of functioning?
1: It's been so erratic lately, I don't know. Cause there's sometimes when I'll stay up almost all night and be fine, but then eventually you crash.
0: What do you mean you stay up all night?
1: Just have not been sleeping real regularly since like February. I could count on one hand the n- number of like good quality nights of sleep that I've gotten. I wake up a lot. As soon as I wake up in the morning, I need to get out of bed. I don't feel like exhausted in the proper way that I normally know I need to go to sleep, mm-hmm. but I also don't feel like rested. I feel like there's a lot of need for journalism right now and a lot of opportunity and so much to try to keep up with and understand, and so many people to talk to uh that it there's a constant feeling that I'm you know whatever I'm pursuing, I'm leaving something else undone.
0: You've been writing a book teaching a class, and trying to know everything about coronavirus <laughs> at you the know, same time
1: trying to be useful also to just people in my life and and random people who are writing me wanting help yeah you could spend 24 hours a day just trying to keep up with where are we on serology testing where are we on nursing homes what's happening in all mm-hmm. these different countries what happened in the white house briefing today are there restaurants like how is the economy and these things all feel super urgent to me right now and the only way i've been of value is by like synthesizing
0: so you feel like your value is tied to like knowing everything <laughs> so i am worried about you i'm concerned about you
1: you sound like it
0: i don't think you've been sleeping enough i became truly concerned about you last week i called you and i was asking you some questions and um i just want to play you a bit of what happened
1: oh Let's see no if you can hear this i'm so so tired. I was literally up all night. Uh, I'm just so exhausted. This is embarrassing. Uh,
0: okay, so I be- I became very concerned.
1: Yeah, about sorry. I, if I go most of the night without sleeping and then by the end of the next day, I become it's tough.
0: So here's the deal. I'm concerned about you. I don't think you're taking care of yourself. And it stops today.
1: Mm. Doubtful.
0: This is an intervention, Jim. Hmm. An intervention in two parts, and it begins with Kevin Townsend. (laughs) Kevin, who produces this show.
2: Hey, Jim. Hey, Kevin. So, I have a book in front of me, and I want to read to you from this book. Uh, It's called The Promise of Sleep. A pioneer in sleep medicine explores the vital connection between health, happiness, and a good night's sleep. It's by Dr. William DeMent. He basically invented the science of sleep medicine back in the 1950s.
1: Oh, was he the guy who did the test with the guy at Stanford? Yes, that's him. That was back in the 60s. And this kid, Randy Gartner, 16-year-old, stayed up for 11 straight days. They had people monitoring him around the clock. And they tested him for, you know, are you lagging mentally and physically, like reaction times and stuff. And I think he had some deficits sometimes, but oftentimes he was far beyond where I would be at the end of even a 60 hour, 70 hour run.
0: So Dement is like the world's expert on sleep.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, because I mean, I think before that there wasn't this like it was generally known that it was important to sleep. But exactly what was happening in your brain and exactly how that correlated to risk of chronic disease weren't really understood.
2: Uh, So here's what Dr. Dement has to say about sleep deprivation. We are now in the midst of a pandemic of fatigue resulting from a long line of cultural, economic, health, and technological influences that began even before Thomas Edison and his electric bulb. The result of all this hard work and hard play is that we treat our sleep like a neglected child. We are resentful when the demands of sleep are too inconvenient or too frequent. When we finally go to bed, we are frustrated when sleep doesn't come quickly. We express a longing for sleep while putting everything else ahead of it, spurning its cries for attention until it turns destructive. Never before in human history has a disparity between the amount of scientific knowledge and the benefit of that knowledge to society been so tragically vast.
0: Kevin, do you have more points that you think Jim is not understanding?
2: Uh, far be it for me to teach Jim any science or medicine here
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's helpful to be reminded of
2: for sure um he writes that quote napping is by far the most important and effective tool for coping with sleep crises adult napping should not have a bad connotation many people feel like napping is only for children the sick the lazy the elderly the phrase caught napping reflects people's belief that for healthy adults napping is the most blatant manifestation of sloth My fellow sleep specialists and I are campaigning to rehabilitate napping and demonstrate that taking naps is an excellent and respectable strategy for sleep management. Naps can make you smarter, faster, and safer than you would be without them. They should be widely recognized as a powerful tool in battling fatigue, and the person who chooses to nap should be regarded as heroic.
0: So what do we know about that connection between sleep and health?
2: It's one of
1: those lifelong things where any single night of bad sleep is probably not going to result in an acute health problem. So we think it's okay. But uh, over time, it wears on you like just a thousand tiny needles and you eventually are at higher risk for just all kinds of diseases.
0: So you are putting yourself at risk right now. Yeah. By not sleeping.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: You are damaging your health. Mm-hmm. And I know you as a person who in every other way, you're sort of obsessive about health. But for some reason, sleep is not something you're prioritizing. Like, if you ate junk food for three months, you would be freaking out, right? Yeah. But you're telling me you've had, like, bad sleep for three months. And you know it's bad, but you're not, like, seeing it as an urgent problem you need to fix. I don't think you're taking this seriously.
1: No, I have a sense that I can do it temporarily. There's just right now that I feel that it's felt like we're in a time of immediate crisis. So there's Mm -hmm. just so much to be done. It's not my intent to, I know it would not be possible to keep this up forever. I know it's wearing on me physically and I have these lapses of like almost total non-functionality and like real clear evidence that something bad would happen if I kept this up. And so I hope to sleep for a whole year in (laughs) 2021.
0: I really think you're not hearing me. No. You are damaging your health by not sleeping. Yeah. And you of all people know that.
1: Yeah. Um, But I think I'm also improving my health by feeling like purposeful and helpful to people. Um, Every time I do something for myself, I am going to be not giving someone else their due.
0: So you feel guilty about sleeping. Yeah. Yeah you are damaging your health and I think it can't go on any longer.
1: Oh uh, well so I mean it can.
0: You are really <laughs> resisting this intervention. I think it's very No, I
1: I would love um for someone to tell me that I could get everything accomplished and, and also sleep more. Here's no. the
0: deal. Knowledge is not the problem for you, obviously. You are having some deeper problem with about self-care where you're feeling like and I understand this is a crisis. You feel like you have a job to do, mm-hmm. but that is damaging to you. So here's the deal. This is intervention stage two. I'm bringing in some help. I actually have an expert. Her name is Trisha Hersey, and she's otherwise known as the Bishop of NAPS. She's the founder of a project called the NAP Ministry, where she encourages people to NAP. Wow. And she's going to tell you, how to nap. All right. Hi, Trisha.
3: Hey, Catherine.
0: Jim's on the line.
3: Hi, Trisha. Hey, Jim. How are you guys?
0: Well, I'm doing all right. I'm concerned about Jim, but we'll get to that. <laughs> I love that. Um,
3: You're concerned. So nice. <laughs> how are you? I'm holding on. I'm still standing, and I'm day by day. Tricia,
0: will you introduce yourself
3: to Jim and to our listeners? Of course. So my name is Trisha Hersey and I'm founder of the NAP Ministry. And the NAP Ministry is an organization that examines the liberating power of rest. We um, name sleep deprivation as a racial and social justice issue. And this project um with the Nat ministry came out of my own experiences with exhaustion.
0: And am I right you, that you have a an undergrad degree in public health yes. and you went to grad school for divinity? Yes. You're you're interested in in both the science and kind of the spiritual aspects of rest.
3: Absolutely. My um undergrad degree was in community health and I was really interested in um the body and looking at the body in a holistic way. Wow.
0: So I want to talk about, I want to talk about a lot of that, but I'm just going to tell you, I I just had the most frustrating conversation with Jim. (laughs) So Jim hasn't been sleeping for three months.
3: Three months. Okay.
0: He has been sleeping maybe five hours average a night, but sometimes less. Okay. And he feel, he told me feels like every moment he rests, he's not doing something that he should be doing. Mm,
3: Yeah.
1: I mean, also just consumed by lots of worry for the world generally mm-hmm. and specific people in it but normally i can put that aside yeah and go to sleep but <laughs> right. these are uh you know extenuating circumstances
0: yeah so so jim we just talked about the science jim knows the science he knows that he's basically putting himself at all sorts of health risks right. and everything by not taking care of rest but it's not i can't get him to take it seriously. <laughs> Um, he just doesn't seem to care. So I was hoping that you could help um, both with some practical tips, but also like if we can convince him somehow that he needs to take this seriously and that this is, it is okay to rest. Um, I think it would be helpful for him, but I'm failing at that.
3: You know what? It really sounds like he is taking it seriously. And I it really, to me, sounds like this is a, like he said, an extenuating circumstance. And we are at, Critical mass when it comes to like grief. Like, I really want to speak about collective grief and the mourning that we're that's not happening right now for us, that we, Mm -hmm. especially for people who are on the front lines, people who are very concerned. I know you told me Jim has been deeply writing about the coronavirus and the pandemic and, um, right really right in the midst of it. So, in a lot of ways, I want to first uplift that I don't think there's any particular right or wrong way to deal with anything that's going on and i think um thank you trisha we need to take it easy on you <laughs> like we need to like oh, uh, oh, oh, no. <laughs> yes.
1: my
0: plan is foiled it is, this because, wasn't how it was supposed no, to go because that's how
3: i come at all of the hundred hundred thousands of people who are following me i always say take it easy on yourself this is a slow deprogramming this is not a race we are not in some type of um hit you over the head and you go lay down, please lay down. It's really about uplifting what is happening, removing those veils and like really sitting in the midst of right now. I don't think, I think a lot of people are having issues with sleeping. I'm not sleeping as well as I um, used to because I'm really worried as well about my family. I have a lot of elder, elderly family members who have these um, health issues. So I really, even before the coronavirus, told everyone who's following in that ministry, this is a gentle and easy and slow deprogramming. Um, we already know what the toxic systems are doing to us to make us think that we have to always be doing something. So we want to like counter it with saying that rest can look like a lot of different things. Um, rest doesn't have to be just him sleeping for a full eight to nine hours. You know, I don't think maybe that's not possible right now. But if the five hours are happening, if he's aware of it, I think he's very aware of it. Is that correct? <laughs> would that would that be correct to say? Like, that yeah, know, yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I don't feel constantly exhausted in the way that I know, you know, real insomnia can catch up to you. I just kind of hit these walls where I become so exhausted I can barely function, and then I know mm. I can sleep. But otherwise, if I have capacity in me, yeah, I am up and trying to basically correspond with people or take in information
3: <laughs> yeah I get that yeah you said something important when you said that you feel like you could be I think maybe Catherine said it you feel like you could be doing something like while I'm up and while I'm alive and I'm here like every moment of the day needs to be fit with me doing something to kind of help with what's happening so it seems like it may be a response to you being a you know you're a doctor so people who go into this field I, believe they have some sense of wanting to heal and help. And so maybe that's where the little rub is.
1: Yeah, that is exactly it. This feels like a moment because I studied public health, too. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I went to medical school and I and I have a lot of knowledge about this and what like there's just real problems of lack of information and lack of knowledge and lack of context here for a lot of people who are worried about things they shouldn't be or not worried enough about things they they should be taken yeah. seriously. It feels like there's an infin- infinite amount of work to do there. And this, I'm at a position right now that I've sort of trained for my whole career to actually be useful. Yes. And, and I don't want to squander that.
3: I totally understand that. Yeah, you know, a lot of my work, I work with a lot of people who are um, community organizers. I do a lot of trainings with movement leaders, people who are like Black Lives Matter. They're on the front lines, meaning they're working 80 hours a week. They're planning direct actions. They really feel like, how can I be resting right now when the people who are, um, you know, causing all of this oppression in our world are not? They're not resting, so we have to keep up with them. You know, that's a true and real thing that we need to uplift before we can get to the point of being like, okay. Let's give Jim a rest schedule, and you must do it. You know we we can't fight with you and say, okay, you're gonna lay down from one to two, and like. It's...
0: I was hoping I could just berate him into into a nap, but you, the, your approach seems much more wise. But I'm 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 humbled and shamed by that
3: by your wisdom it here. Shows you're a good friend. You're worried, so yeah,
1: no, and I appreciate it.
3: What do you tell people who feel that way? Yeah. I did a big training with people who were human rights activists all over the country, and I told them that they really have to place rest in the framework that I'm trying to build. I'm trying to build this framework around the concept that rest is a spiritual practice, that rest is productive, that when you are resting, you are being productive, like trying to reframe it. And deprogram people around the concept that if you aren't necessarily doing something in the classic doing something sense, that you're not worthy. And I I, I want them to uplift that when you're sleeping, you a- are actually doing something. You're honoring your body, you're giving your brain a moment to download new information. You're, you know, you're disrupting toxic systems. Um, a lot of them are working against toxic systems, capitalism and white supremacy, a lot of justice leaders. So I'm saying you're helping to disrupt that by like reclaiming. Rest.
1: Yeah. I'm curious about your own experience with being driven to exhaustion.
3: Yeah. When I first started thinking about um, this, I was um, I started seminary. I went to um, divinity school. I had an eight o'clock class. So I'd be there by six in the morning and then I wouldn't come home until sometimes after midnight. And then after that, I would be up until 3 in the morning studying and so that wow. that it was hard it was like really 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 rough and then i had a 6 year old son at the time i married um, i was robbed like while i was walking home from school with my son at 3 p.m. i was robbed at a gas station two of my family members died suddenly and then right at the moment of 2013 black lives matter was really heating up and i was a community organizer and justice leader so i was dealing with being pulled to be on the front lines with that while I'm still in school, and also I was felt like I was traumatized in a lot of ways by seeing a lot of the times all of the um, murders that were happening online. Everything was video. That's when Black Lives Matter hashtag, mm-hmm. and it was just a lot of strife. And I was at a predominantly white institution where it wasn't that many people who looked like me there, and just the stress of all of that combined with trying to get go through this really intense, um, high level graduate writing program, I just couldn't take it. I really was like, I'm either gonna, you know, like, just stop and and you know quit and just go lay on the couch for, or I'm gonna just go to school and try to get the attendance credit. And I just started sleeping all over campus. So I slept all over campus. I was everywhere. What was your favorite spot? Um, I have so many favorite spots. My favorite spot was the <laughs> chapel. This beautiful chapel called Cannon Chapel that's gorgeous on the mm-hmm. campus of Emory University. And I would go way up to the top. And they had cushion um, pews, and I can. I'm really tall. Mm-hmm. I'm tall, like, so I can lay out and stretch out really good. <laughs> and I would just stretch <laughs> out way at the top. I knew the schedule of when it was open, when they had worship service. so I would go around those times, and I would sleep for an hour. And then also outside, I love sleeping on the quad.
1: There should be more public uh, yes. spaces for people to take naps. Totally. Yeah, I, th-
3: I think that's why, in a lot of ways, I started to think about collective napping and. Public napping. A lot of my work as an artist is like public installation, and we've done over fifty of them all over the country. We curate spaces for the community to rest in a safe space.
0: It seems like part of doing it publicly is it to basically normalize yes. napping because napping is kind of embarrassing, right? It's like yes. oh, you yes. fell asleep yes. during a thing. You fell asleep in public. That's so embarrassing.
3: Yeah, it's like this stigma around um, caring for yourself. This is stigma around care, and it's taboo around. Um, unless it's attached to capitalism, then it's okay. You can go to a, (laughs) you know, you can can go go get get, a facial. Oh, you can pay $200 for a facial and you take care of yourself, you know, but if you're caring for yourself, something as deep as sleep, which is one of our most ancient primal needs, you're doing that in public, caring for your body. That's shameful. And so I, I tie that always back to capitalism and to white supremacy and these notions around not seeing humans as as divine and not seeing our bodies as belonging to us. When you start to deprogram around all the systems that have us at this point of sleep deprivation, where we don't think we are worthy of sleep, we don't think we can, we are allowed
1: rest. Uh, that phrase you used, "worthy of sleep," jumps out at me. Mm. Like I could can see there's an issue there of someone in my position not deeming themselves. Uh, worthy of that time because i feel like something we've talked Mm -hmm. a lot about on this show is there there are a lot of people are suffering so much more than we are Um, yeah but we need to take our own yeah um you know needs into consideration deem those concerns worthy and address them you're right Mm -hmm. catherine you're right
3: <laughs> he came around. Yes. A yeah. Yeah. yes. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta go in a circle to get back. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it all came together. Yes, you're right.
0: <laughs> Man, this is like the most basic uh, method of convincing that I, I should know myself. No, but it's not first basic acknowledge at Acknowledge the concerns.
1: We study this um, a part. I mean, we study this a little bit in my class. Like there are evidence-based modes of changing behaviors, and like hitting people yeah. with stats and facts and figures, just like very rarely effective. Yeah, And actually changing that, like reframing the problem or
3: mm-hmm. re
1: uh, resetting the angle in which you're viewing it. Like you have to deem yourself worthy of sleep. Um, you know, you could show me all the brain scans or anything <laughs> in oh, the yeah. world. And that doesn't, ha- it might not have the same effect as just having me think about it a different way.
0: So now that we've... Uh we've sort of gotten to Jim a little bit. I'm curious yeah. if you I have mean, some so that practical <laughs> I'm good.
3: I am fine from here on up. Uh, no, 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 fashion, no issues the session help. <laughs> uh,
0: well, once people sort of once you talk to people and sort of convince them of uh, mm-hmm. just the idea that this is something that is okay to care about. Yes. Um, and to prioritize. What do you say I'm so interested in your your idea that we can change how we think about rest or what rest looks like that it doesn't have to be, yes. you know, eight hours of sleep a night. So what do you, what do you tell people or what do you suggest for, for different ways of thinking about resting?
3: Yeah. I always tell, always like lead this back to like intuition and body, like looking at the, the power of, of somatics and the power of listening to your body and really the power of what slowing down could look like. So in a lot of ways I want to reimagine rest to be, um a slowing down, a mindfulness, a paying attention. Uh, um, I I believe silence is rest. I believe taking moments of silence is a form of rest. So really like looking at long, taking long baths, a longer shower, um, prayer. Meditation, daydreaming, doing a sun salutation in the morning. You may not can do a full yoga class, but doing a sun salutation, sitting on your mm-hmm. couch, you know, for a few minutes before you rush off to do three hundred more things, giving yourself that ten minutes of just intentional time and, and and listening to your body. And so, there's always an opportunity to find a rest moment, and that um the time to rest is now because it's not a privilege. It is our it's a right. It's a human right.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, because I think, you know, I've been thinking a lot about essential workers. Mm-hmm. I imagine a lot of people feel like, well, I just can't. It's not even an option. That's all
3: they me. say. You yeah, know? they say that to me all the time. That's the number one thing I've heard when people are like, oh, you, you do the net ministry? Oh, that sounds cute and nice. But I don't have who has time to rest. I, don't, I could never do that. It sounds nice, right. but no, this is what I, I always tell them is that that is a part of the brainwashing. That is the part of the brainwashing of living under toxic systems that tell you that. White supremacy and capitalism has stolen not only our rest, but it's also stolen our intuition and our concept of actually believing in the the greatness and the beauty of what we can do. To think that in this day and age, there's no time for you to at least take 10 minutes To just like reclaim rest and daydream and go and like shut your eyes or deep breathe for a little bit longer before you get out of the shower that is not true that's all false and has been told to us by systems that don't see us as divine so i tell those people part of this rest resistance is also reclaiming your imagination reclaiming hope reclaiming your intuition of knowing what's right and knowing there's always time for you to um reclaim your body as yours. So I believe even the essential workers um, have 10 minutes before they take a shower in the morning and get out to their necks while they're in the car, before they step into the hospital, into the ER. They, there's moments where you can um, integrate these throughout your day. Nothing like this has ever happened in our culture where the people that you didn't want to pay money are now the ones keeping America running. Like, they're right. keeping us alive, literally. I'm thinking about the grocery store people and the people coming to get the garbage there in front of my house I put the garbage out there and they're still coming to get it they never stop once and so I'm Mm -hmm. thinking about all of those people and hoping that um on the back end once everything is healed from the medical and physical that we can begin to begin to keep uplifting these moments around labor and um what work can really look like
0: yeah
1: Uh, that would be really wonderful I worry right now that especially as jobs are so few, a lot of people are feeling like only more Mm -hmm. like they have to just keep grinding. And it's not at all a time to let up on anything. Mm. It's going to be a dark period. I hope we emerge better for Mm -hmm. it. But I think it's so, you know, it's really helpful the way you had that perspective on reframing. And I'm hoping that as people realize it's a a marathon, you know, this is going to go on for a year or two. Mm -hmm. And that's helping me to think like, you know it doesn't help if you burn out where uh, in the first two months of it. So
3: no, it doesn't. Yeah. Man.
0: Well, I'm going to read one last thing. Cause I, I saw this on your Instagram and I thought this was so helpful. Um, you're the nap ministry, so people can follow you there, Yeah. but you gave some tips on here for, uh, what resting can look like. And I'm just going to mm-hmm. read a couple of them if that's okay. Cause I think they're of really
3: course.
0: helpful. Um, resting can look like closing your eyes for 10 minutes. A longer shower in silence, meditating on a couch for 20 minutes, daydreaming by staring out of window, sipping tea before bed in the dark, slow dancing with yourself to slow music. That's a good one. A sun salutation, a 20-minute timed nap, praying, creating a small altar, a long hot bath, not immediately responding to texts and emails, deep listening to a full music album, a meditative walk knitting playing a musical instrument or deep eye contact. Mm-hmm. I think those are lovely ways to think about resting. And I know Jim you can make time for some of
3: those. Yeah. <laughs> She's always on you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. This
1: is the this is helpful for her though, going through the process of, you know, berating me. So I exactly. <laughs> endure it because I feel like I'm helping.
0: <laughs> anyway, um, This was so wonderful. I feel better just having listened to you. And I know that people uh, will find this helpful. Just the idea that no matter your situation, no No. matter the situation that we're all in right now, there are still ways to find at least small moments to Mm -hmm. rest. Yes. Yes.
3: Thank you so much. This was so uh, fun and helpful to talk to you. You guys are so fun. Where can people follow your work? Um, the main place is the Instagram page. I'm on every social media platform um, at The Nat Ministry. Sometimes people leave out the, the word the, but it is The Nat Ministry on Instagram, Facebook, on Twitter. And then also I have a website that's um, a personal website, just trishahirsey.com. Okay. I've had such a great time. Thanks for spending this time with me. I know you guys are being No, beautiful. thank you. you. You did us a favor here. Thank you so much. <laughs> <Thank> you.
0: Uh, <laughs> Nice to talk
3: to you. You as well. Thank you guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye.
1: <clears throat> the experience of that conversation was restful. And yeah, very me too. often the experience of just taking the ritual of talking to you is restful. And I think I could do a better job of just appreciating those moments that do exist even when I'm telling myself how I'm so exhausted because I'm doing lots of stuff that's actually very wonderful and enjoyable and stimulating.
0: You're welcome, Jim. Oh I yeah, know what you you're know, saying thank, you, thank you, thank you. And I'm, I'm, you I was happy to help. Um, this show today was produced by Kevin Townsend with help from Anna Waters and Jacqueline Landry. Write us at Social Distance at TheAtlantic.com and check out the Nap Ministry if you want more practical tips on how to find rest. And one more thing. I first heard about the nap ministry from nasima Ibera, who's an editor here, who did a great post about the nap ministry on Instagram. So thank you to nasima for inspiring this episode. That's it. That's it for today.
1: All right. Good. Get some sleep.
0: All right. I look forward to hearing about your uh, rest practice.
1: <sighs> thank you.
0: All right. Bye.
1: Bye. <coughs>